When I was growing up, I was one of the youngest members of my family. You see, my parents had several siblings, and after several years of watching their siblings build their biological families, my parents finally realized that they probably wouldn't have biological children of their own. Their infertility had lasted for almost 15 years into their marriage, and so after a while, they adopted my older brother, who's five years older than I am, and then myself. And as a little kid, I was doted on because I had several cousins who were at least eight to 10 years older than me. And we would get together on Sunday afternoons after church and play and eat and have fun. But I was never allowed to play in the big kid activities. I don't know if you felt that or not. I was the young one. I was the less one. I was the little one. And everybody felt like they had to protect me and keep me from harm and didn't allow me to play in the big kid games. For many years, that really bothered me. I would complain to my parents on a constant basis, but I can do it if they just gave me a chance. And yet, I still didn't get those chances quite often. But as a teenager, when I started to go to youth group and read scripture for myself, I gained a new perspective on what it meant to be the youngest. I began to see myself not as my cousins had seen me for all those years, but more as how God had seen me, that I was purposed and made for a purpose for his will in, his, in my life. And as a result, I came upon the scripture that we're going to hear this morning that really helped me to realize how God sees even the youngest of us all. So if you would, I'm going to read Jeremiah 1 through 1, 4 through 10 out of our bulletin. And if you'd like to read along, I encourage you to do so. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the mother in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you and will re rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we ask you today to open our hearts and our minds to what it is that you have for us to hear. While this might be challenging to know exactly what your purpose and will is for our lives, help us to say yes rather than to say no. Help us to really be part of the solution, to be part of your kingdom building. We ask you to bless us as we hear this message this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In our scripture this morning, we hear God calling the prophet Jeremiah. Now you have to understand that Jeremiah lived in a time in history that was perfectly scary. In the sense, in 625 BC, it was the reign of King Josiah, and he was a good king. He wanted to turn Israel back towards the one true God and away from idol worship that they had been doing for quite a while. But there was unrest among the people living in the area, and it was unstable. There were three superpowers, Egypt, Assyria, and Babylon, who were all surrounding Judea, and they wanted to be the powerful rulers, so there were constant battles among them. 
Now Assyria had already come into Israel and taken away the northern kingdom, the Jewish people, into the exile. And all that was left were the two smaller tribes of Judah and Benjamin, who were part of the southern kingdom. So God calls on on Jeremiah to be a prophet in a not-so-nice place in a very turbulent time. People weren't going to the temples and hearing the word of the Lord or worshiping God together. They were afraid and scared. But God had made Jeremiah for this particular time and this particular place, even though being a prophet of God would be completely unpopular. Jeremiah knew that if he was going to be the mouthpiece of God, he would be treated horribly and he would be in constant danger. So understandably, when God said to Jeremiah, I want you to do this difficult task of telling the people about what I want for them, Jeremiah automatically said, nope, and goes on making excuse after excuse of why he can't serve the Lord. Jeremiah says, truly, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a boy. But before Jeremiah even takes the time to contemplate what God's request is of him, He says the automatic, nope. Well, I don't know about you, but I have a person in my family who when asked a question almost always answers with the automatic no. Now let me say that I've learned to work around this and learned how to get the response that I want after several explanations of what I actually am intending. But when I ask the question first off, it's almost always responded with a no. The automatic negative response is something that after a while just gets draining and it makes me not want to ask questions at all. But I've come to realize that this no isn't really a response to what I'm asking. It's more of a reply that's done out of an underlying fear. It's a knee-jerk response that happens because people are afraid of making a decision. Gina Perra, who's a well-known author and writer, writes about the automatic no in an article entitled, How I Got My Groove Back. She writes that she realized that early in her marriage, her husband and her were just wired completely differently. Not only did he have an offbeat strategy on how to remember to do things, but he almost always answered every question she asked with the automatic no. Initially, this upset her, But she looked at it as negativity and defiance and soon realized that that she shouldn't look at it that way. In looking to professional therapists, which categorize the automatic no as a poor coping response, which is a way that people who deal with challenges in a way that they're afraid, she realized she had to approach things differently. People sometimes are so afraid of the possibility of failure that they shut things down before they even take a consideration of the possibility. They avoid falling flat when attempting something new, so they avoid trying it altogether. In essence, they can't listen and with an open mind to go through the idea of whether or not this is a good idea. They just automatically reject it at its inception. Well, if you're lucky, maybe you've never experienced someone who answers with the automatic no in your life. But let me tell you from my own life experience, it can be exhausting. Having someone say no before the words are almost out of your mouth just makes you worn out. Now, I'll be truthful and tell you that my home is not the only place that I get this automatic no on a constant basis. 
My position here at the church is one where I'm constantly asking for people to help me to do things. And while you're all lovely people, I will honestly say that there are many times that I get the automatic no here at DCC. It's never impolite, it's never meant in a bad way, but quite often I hear no before there's even thought put into the possibility of doing the request that I ask. And just like the other people who say automatic no's, I believe that this response to help out to do kingdom work here at DCC often comes from a place of fear. Oh, I don't have the time to be able to commit to that. Oh, I can't, I can't do that very often. I can only maybe do it once in a while. Or maybe it's the idea that you're fearful of what will happen inside, how you might be changed by taking on responsibility here at the church. Like Jeremiah, we tend to look at things in our own strength. I could never accomplish that. And we forget that whenever God asks us to step out and do something for him, he will always, always, always give us the ability to fulfill the task that's being asked, that we will do it in his strength and not our own. Jeremiah was terrified to open his mouth. And just like Moses the prophet before him, he had many excuses. Moses claimed he wasn't eloquent enough, that he was slow of speech and slow of tongue, and yet he was empowered by God to leave the Israelites out of Egypt in slavery and into the promised land. Jeremiah complains, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. And God reminds him, I've known you from before you were formed in your mother's womb. I'm the one that formed you there. And here the word formed actually means to shape an object much like a potter would with a lump of clay into a vessel that was made for a specific purpose. Jeremiah was fashioned and molded by God himself. He was sanctified and set apart for this special task. He was made for such a time as this, when the tribes of Judah and Benjamin remained intact and needed someone to hear God's words. The Lord reached out his hand and touched Jeremiah's mouth, saying, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms, to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Both Moses and Jeremiah were called by God and both were terrified of the task that they had at hand. Young or old, they were in the same position and they both looked around them and said, isn't there someone else who can do it besides me? Someone who has more self-assurance, more confidence? But they both forgot that in their own strength, they couldn't do it. They would not succeed. It was only through God's strength as ambassadors of his purpose that they would do the task that God called them to do. Left to their own devices, neither of them could work the way God wanted them to. But God said, trust me. I'll show up where you go. I'll tell you what to say. I'll be with you all the way in everything you do. Haven't we all been there to some degree? We look inside at all the defects we have and we fear that we don't measure up and we make excuses when God asks us to do something. I'm too young, I'm not capable, I just don't have the time. Really it's nothing about the capability or the age or the time. It's more about faith. It's about confidence in God. 
Saying no to God comes both from a heart of stubbornness and a heart of doubt. Stubbornness in that we don't want to give our will over to God and do his will. We'd rather do our own. And doubt that God will actually show up for us and help us out. Because we like doing what comes naturally. We like the things that take little effort. We like to be in the familiar. We don't necessarily like to step out into the unknown. But when we allow God to direct our steps and to guide us, being trusting him in faith, his plans always are far greater than the ones that we can make for ourselves. Now, there are many religious scholars who, after the pandemic, are asking about what are the problems within the Christian church. And they've come to a conclusion that they're twofold. One is that we have never really come to grips with what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We don't take seriously seeking out holiness and growing in holiness day in and day out, making it a priority in our life. And the other is that we're too terrified to open our mouths and talk about our faith with other people. Therefore, we don't reflect God's glory to the world. So why are we so passive? Why are we so afraid? Why are we so afraid to grow into holiness or to share our faiths with others? I think that working on our own holiness and sharing our faith with others by doing the work of God is somehow lower on our priority list. We have a plethora of activities that we have to cross out every single day, and we put God usually on the bottom of that list. But Scripture continually tells us that our purpose is to reflect God's glory to the world. Our purpose is to be part of kingdom building. Our purpose is to serve as God's hands and feet. That's why when we read scripture to understand it, we don't just look at the words and what they mean. We try to understand it in a way that God is calling us forth and to do the things that the words are saying that we need to do. Now, I can bear witness, especially working with Stephen Ministry, that there's a lot of people in this world who are dissatisfied and have an uneasy way in this world because they don't know what their purpose is. But that's because they're seeking their purpose outside of what God's purposing is. It's very difficult to live a meaningful life without a sense of purpose. And God will reveal that purpose to us if we only ask him. He'll tell us what he calls us to do. He puts a yearning on our heart or a stirring in our soul where we just feel uneasy and feel like we need to do something about it. It doesn't have to be a cause or a crusade. It could be as simple as helping out a neighbor who's in need. But all we have to do to recognize that purposing is to open ourselves up to God, to be sensitive to his leading, to understand his concerns, and allow him to show us what he wants us to do. Purposeful living begins with a God-given yearning. And when we yield our lives to God, we long to serve him. And in so doing, we place our longing in our hearts and our concern about the desires that God has to improve the world, to remedy the wrongs, and to build up his kingdom. Our spirits, in a sense, become restless to do something, not out of obligation, but because we are called to do it by God. And to do this, all we need to do is to pray, to ask God for his perspective, to seek out opportunities to put our gifts and talents to work for God's glory and the benefit of his kingdom. And in realizing that we can't do everything ourselves, 
but we can give it our best effort, God will make up the rest. He will allow us to do what he has called us to do. Now, maybe you haven't blatantly ever said no to God, but simply neglected to say yes. And in doing so, we live with the repercussions. We think we're doing okay on our own, we're handling things in our own power, life is going good, and we keep God at arm's length until the bad times come and things start to go off the rails and we cry out to God to have him take over. But if we know God always, if we're with him, then we can be strong during those difficult times. When we say yes to God before things go wrong, it helps us to stand strong during difficult times because we know the choices we should make. Saying yes to God leads us to grow closer and closer to him and to know him better so we can rely on him and trust in his strength and confidence. Saying yes to God leads us to hope. Even though we might not see hope in the immediate situation, we know God is in control and there's hope for the future. And saying yes to God leads us to be transformed from the inside out so we know who God is and we know his story of love for his people and we share in that story day in and day out. We often miss out on seeing God at work in us and through us when we say no. When we say no to God, we miss out on the incredible blessings that God has for us. Maybe what God is asking of us seems too difficult or even impossible, but I can promise you that if you say yes, you will always come out of the experience on the other side more blessed than you went into it. When we answer our Heavenly Father with a yes, we're choosing to obey God's will over our own, which brings with it glorious consequences for us as we live within God's favor. When we say yes to God, we live in big faith, stepping out into the unknown, but knowing that we're not doing it in our own control. I know it's so much easier to say no to volunteering, to tithing, to staying here within your church walls and helping out or going out to ministries and helping out. We want to stay in that comfort zone. I know how to do this one thing and I'll do it well. But when we help others and step out of our comfort zone in the name of Christ, it requires faith and it might be risky, but we always can depend on God to bring forth the blessings. I really already told you that as a child, I was considered too young by my extended family. I grew up in a large Italian Catholic family, and it thought, was thought by many of my family members that I would live a very simple and quiet life. Some of my family members hadn't been to college, and so they thought it was impractical or even unnecessary for me to go to attain a higher education. But here I stand before you today with a doctoral degree, preaching from a pulpit as the mouthpiece of God. Who knew? And it all goes back to the mighty ways God will allow us to use his purposing and his power in our lives. His will becomes a reality if we step out in faith and say yes. God certainly could have found somebody else to be up here as your pastor today. God certainly could have found someone else to do what he asked Jeremiah to do, someone more naturally gifted. But when we think about it, no matter who God calls, there would be a few of us who would claim to want the responsibility. 
But it's really not about our will. It's about being willing to let God control our lives and to do his will. Our faith is a direct decision to do things that make us depend on God to help us be provided for by him. And that's a lot. There's a lot at stake when we actually surrender to God's will. It's easier to say no. And we surely can find someone else, God can find someone else to accomplish his will. Or we could embrace our own sanctification and accept that as God's children, we are set apart and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be part of God's work here on earth. We too were formed in our mother's womb by God for the purposes of God. And God always shows up and he always acts and he always moves. Our part is the decision whether we want to be active participants in his redemptive story or not. Our work is to honor God, to worship him, and to reflect his glory to the world so that others may come to know him as well. God doesn't call us to do his work and then leave us to act on our own. He is faithful and he empowers and equips us to respond to his call. Maybe God is calling you in a way that seems hard to believe. Maybe you are afraid to say yes because it doesn't fit into your plan. Maybe God's call is unfamiliar, disorienting, destabilizing, or you just don't know how to respond. In the summer of 2005, I had such a call. After being home with my daughters and not working outside the home, I began to take several college-level classes through the American Baptist Association locally here in central New York. I was enjoying these religious classes thinking that they were for my own personal growth and spiritual development, and I was loving the talk with the, the different people in the class as well as my teacher, till one day my teacher pulled me aside and said, have you ever thought about going to seminary? And I said, nope. It was quick and automatic. Well, after a few more conversations with him, he said, I really feel that God is calling you into ministry. And I laughed and I disregarded the comments, but after a few times of deep prayer with God, I said, I'll do it if you take away all the obstacles that are in the way. You'll have to find me childcare for my young family, financial aid to do this. I'll have to travel back and forth to Rochester. And I need you to make sure that everything will be set before I can even apply. And you know what? God made it work. Everything worked out and he left nothing to chance. All I had to do was say yes. And because of that one decision, I stand before you today grateful to be able to be a pastor at this church. My prayer for all of you is that you take a chance to step out in faith and find out what God's purposing is for your life. I promise you if you do, not only will you be blessed, but he will never leave you alone. He will give you the needed experience. He will give you the talents and gifts you need to do his work, and he will always be by your side. Let us step out in faith as we are blessed by living in it. Will you pray with me? Gracious Lord, 
we know that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. Scripture tells us continually that you have formed us and made us into who you want us to be. Every freckle, every curve, every thought, you have given us your skills and your abilities to do the things that you call us to do. Lord, we ask you today, instead of saying no, instead of expecting someone else to do your work, instead of giving a million excuses, to open our hearts to saying yes. Stir in our hearts that which you have us purpose to do. Stir in our hearts the passion that you have us to fulfill and help us to reflect your glory to the world as we take step by step in faith, saying yes to your leading and knowing that you will never leave us or forsake us. Help us to reflect your glory to the world as we serve as your hands and feet. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.